Welcome back to the Charlotte Angel Connection, the Charlotte area podcast linking entrepreneurs, investors, and the broader Charlotte community. As you know, our goal here is to interview the individuals who are building, shaping, and influencing entrepreneurship in the Charlotte region so you can stay invested in Charlotte's growth. Today, we've got the founding team from Rabu joining us, uh, both uh, Amir and James. So great little um, hour-long podcast with the two co-founders. They've recently, I don't know if y'all have seen the article in Start Charlotte or actually in Charlotte Agenda, a uh, nice little profile, just highlighted the fact that they recently raised a million and a half dollars. Um, great little round or great, that's a nice size round here in Charlotte. Great fundraising round gives them the flexibility to really go out and scale some of their growth. They've got good opportunities in front of them. Um, they've got a good solid team. So today's podcast was, you know, really a, a kind of a get to know you session with, with Amir and James. I knew them, had met with Amir a couple of different times, but just wanted to get the backstory to who they were, what Rabu really is, where they fit in the Airbnb kind of home away space, um, where they can continue to grow to, what they're going to use their money for, and just how they were going to continue to push the envelope forward. Um, was fortunate enough to go over there and see their new space um, as well. So nice, nice space for them and really just a, a good, solid funding or a good, solid team that they've built. Um, they've got the funding now to continue to push it forward. And I think it's going to be a pretty exciting next you know, 12 to 24 months for those guys. I think what they're doing lines up well with some of the visions and expectations for where Airbnb home away and some of these other platforms need to go. I think they're ahead of the curve a little bit. Um, They've got some unique um, software um, development that allows them to do some pretty fun things. And I don't know, I've got a good feeling about what they're doing and how they're doing it. So I think it's going to be really interesting to see what they do. Um, And hopefully this podcast is just a a way to introduce you to them Um, and maybe even be on the lookout for you know, what they're doing as you explore your own Airbnb and HomeAway stuff. So really solid podcast. I hope you enjoy it. Um, a few other n- kind of news and notes types things that are out there. We've got our quarterly event um, rounded up here. We're going to be doing it on the Charlotte Angel Connection quarterly event. Um, it's going to be at 222 South Brevard Street, um, which is the old church that uh, many of you know Walt, Fr- uh, Walt Fry is over at. Um, great facility. We will have Idea Fund doing their typical partner pitch with 2U Laundry. Their partner pitch is typically what happens once a founder has been in contact with either John or Lister, has you know showed them who they are, what they're doing, a little bit about the team, and kind of convinced them that it's time to bring in the other partner to to dive deeper into some of the the aspects of the business. So they're going to do that live on stage. They're going to do it with Alex from 2U Laundry. So great opportunity to come and see a really polished professional investment team with John and Lister from Idea Fund and a really solid polished founder with Alex from 2U Laundry. Just explore the opportunity for Idea Fund to invest in them. So I think it's going to be neat. It's going to be fun. We've never seen in anything like it here in Charlotte, so it'll certainly be unique. 
more details will roll out on it over the course of the next couple of weeks. So please stay, um, please stay plugged in through the newsletter and or through the podcast. Um, the other things that are coming up here over the course of the next couple of weeks is um, Charlotte Angel Fund, as we all know, meets the second Wednesday of every um, every month. They meet down at Packer Place. Um, Venture South, I think, is starting to host their events on um, some of their events during the weekday. Um, I've got to follow up with them so I can report back to y'all when their regular monthly meetings are, and I'll have that in time for the next podcast. Dan Roselli's doing um, a great little uh, information information session um, on a monthly basis as well, uh, kind of a little podcast beer beer series. So follow QC FinTech, what they do down at Packer Place. He's got, a, I think, a, a really good kind of rolling list of guests that come in he sits down and has a beer with in front of a group of um group of folks and i think it goes off really well so that's what um that's what looks to be out there on the horizon in the meantime again i hope you enjoy the podcast interview today with uh, with amir and james from rabu all right well welcome to the show today james and amir glad to, uh, i'm glad to have you both on the charlotte angel connection thanks for having us yeah thanks william appreciate it yeah no so um I've known the story now for a while, so excited to kind of sit here around the table and um, see the office and see some of the folks that are here. So um, let's dive straight into it. Um, typically, the way I like to get started is just the story behind the, the company, right? The story behind the, the idea. So what got Rabu up off the ground? Yeah, I'm happy to kind of speak on that first. Um, so. James and I were at another startup uh, prior to starting Rabu. Uh, we were at Kick, which okay. I'm sure a lot of you have heard of through Mac Lackey. Um, and I know he's been on the podcast before. So James and I were at Kick. I was the VP, VP of operations there, and James was the head of development. Okay. Uh, and Kick got acquired by Sports Engine uh, in May of 2016, which then subsequently got acquired by NBC Sports within a month. So uh, James and I were a couple of the team members, along with Mac and uh, Miller Murrow, that were transitioned over to NBC Sports. Um, so during that time, James and I knew that we didn't want to stay at NBC full-time, so we started thinking about, you know, we knew we worked well together, so we started thinking about what could we do next. Um, and we started playing around with some ideas, but at the same time, my wife and I had recently just pur- purchased a home in, um, in Plaza Midwood, uh, and that home had a detached garage with a room above that garage. Um, I was hoping to make it my man cave, but I had two little kids, two little kids at that point, and my wife would have killed me if I was over in a separate dwelling, basically hanging out while she was in the main home with the kids. So. Uh, being an entrepreneur at heart, we decided to list an Airbnb just for some discretionary income. Uh, it turns out this room above our garage was basically paying our mortgage. Okay. Which, uh, you know, that initial return on the investment spoke volumes to the to the opportunity. Yeah. Uh, so, again, being an entrepreneur at heart, thinking about what our next venture could be, we decided to uh, go out and try to acquire a few more Airbnb units to see if they would be just as successful. So uh, my model at that point was it was still just my wife and myself. So my wife was actually the original co-founder. She's no longer involved because I want to separate work and, you know, home life. Uh, but Inseparable, but yeah. Yes, yes. I just, just give it a good go. Exactly. Yeah. Just, it's good to come home and not have to think about work when you're, you know, working 12 hours a day. Just yeah. have a, in a sense, a refuge to go home and just relax as much as possible. Uh, I don't want to 
talk shop with my wife. <laughs> I love her to death, but that's just not, you know, yeah. best for, at least for the way I, I, I want to kind of have our relationship be. So regardless, um, we started approaching property owners around town, basically offer, offering them a premium to rent their space from them. So what we would say is, hey, we'll rent your space from you. Uh, directly, like a, any traditional long-term tenant would, will actually pay you a 10% pr premium on your rent to give you more of an incentive to work with us, as long as you're okay with us then turning those units into Airbnb. So we wanted to minimize the risk of actually going out and buying a property ourselves to turn into an Airbnb. We decided to kind of play um, rent arbitrage by saying, hey, we'll pay you more to give them an incentive to work with us and then we turn into an Airbnb ourselves. So we would go and furnish it, we would sign a lease with the property owner and you know pay them on the first of the month like they would from a good tenant, um, good long-term tenant, and we turn those units into uh, Airbnbs. So this was in 2016. Uh, had acquired five units that way in, okay. in 2016, uh, at which point uh, my wife and I were still doing everything ourselves. So, you know, I can't tell you how many toilets I cleaned early on. Maybe we were the cleaning crew along with setting up furniture. You know, there, there were countless trips to Ikea to buy furniture, to local antique malls to buy furniture, set things up in a way that we felt would be appealing to, uh, to tenants or to guests staying in our units. Um, by the end of 2016, when we got to, to six properties, we realized that this was actually a highly profitable one, but also a lot of uh, work. Uh, associated with it, uh, which is when I got James involved. So, you know, James and I had a good working relationship, always had, uh, but we also knew at the core that every every company needs to be a technology company, especially yeah. if you're going to scale it beside, above and beyond just a lifestyle business. So I got James involved at the beginning of 2017 to initially help build out our logo, then our website, and then eventually a lot of the automations that would make allow us to scale relatively quickly. Gotcha. So what's the um, what's the tech behind it now? What's the pain point that Rap Rapu is solving? So the pain point, there's just a couple of pain points. One, um, I, I guess if I continue the story, so we built a lot of this back end that allowed us to not have to communicate with every guest, allowed us to me send messages out automatically to them instead of them uh, having me having to send the messages and interact with every guest one-on-one. -on -one. Uh, we we built an automation that uh, based on you know bookings being generated, we had we were able to schedule cleaners automatically to go out to property. So we did a lot of these little things in the back end that just made made it less of a hassle for me to manually you know reach out and coordinate things so I could focus on acquiring more properties. Okay. And, and at this point, uh, people started hearing about what we were doing, uh, especially as I approached them, and the business model flipped in, in a sense because when people realized that I was willing to pay them a premium to rent their properties for them to turn them into an Airbnb, they wondered, hey, why don't I just have you manage the property on our behalf for a fee? So uh, at the basically Q2 of 2017, we started being approached by property investors who actually wanted us to manage the units on their behalf okay. uh, so that they wouldn't have to do the work associated, but they could participate in the upside of the additional revenue that can be generated by going short term over traditional long term. Gotcha. And, and so we're still at, at that point, you know, we, we were still uh, pure, purely a property management company um, building all these uh, tools internally to, to basically help Amir operate more efficiently on a day to day basis and eliminate a lot of his, his manual work at this point. Um, yeah. 
And so through 2017, uh, we got to roughly uh, 27 listings by the end of 2017, uh, at which point we, our, our vision was, hey, let's try to build a property management company that's almost like a hotel-like brand within the Airbnb world. So if a guest would stay at one of our properties, they would anticipate a certain type of experience in those units uh, because the space is so fragmented with such high uh, well, with no quality control in place, uh, we, we wanted to be kind of that established brand that a guest can relate to when they stay at one of our properties. How did that idea come about, right? And that's a unique concept to make the Hilton out of a group of rentals with on the, um, the Airbnb platform. That's what you're talking about. Exactly. That, that was the original vision. It just came about from, you know, my wife and I travel the world all the time. And it's hard for us uh, to, to stay at an Airbnb, or it was initially, because we didn't know what we would get from those properties. We travel with our kids, so it's hard to relate uh, to if staying at a property is going to give us the family-friendly, uh, consistent experience that we're looking for. So we identified that as a problem, and we wanted to build a solution for that problem. Uh, so the idea was, what's the best way to do that? Let's push our brand to the property guests initially is the way we were thinking about it. Yeah, so get, I mean, and, and that, I think some, some points there are, are, you know, with you traveling a lot on uh, Airbnb, Amir, um, you, you know, you don't with, with the market being so fragmented and, and kind of immature at this point you know you don't you don't know if they're using professional quality cleaners to clean the units you don't know if your access is secure you don't know what entertainment options are going to be available in the unit or how you're going to interact with those and issues like that that was kind of what we were trying to kind of uh, make consistent across our portfolio of homes to create that brand initially yeah. what was it so um how was the software initially built? I mean, is it built on top of Airbnb? Is it like a, like a, a separate app that you run through that then remotes into Airbnb? How does it, how does somebody use it? Yeah, so, so kind of, um, and, and we can kind of get there later in the story a little bit of where, where we are today, but initially a lot of the, the, the tools that we built that we're now offering out with this new SaaS platform that we've launched, um, they were built internally and tied directly into um, our backend systems that we use to manage these homes um, within Airbnb. And Airbnb to us is just a marketplace of many other marketplaces that are out there. So, you know, you can think, you can look at Airbnb as, as just a booking channel, really. There's Airbnb, Booking.com, HomeAway, VRBO. There's all these different booking channels. And then as you grow and scale, you don't necessarily want to just list on um, one single booking channel. You want to be on as many channels as possible to maximize your revenue. So we had a back-end system that we put in place to help us do just that, and we built a lot of the internal tools initially on top of that back-end system. Yeah. So that back-end systems, there's a lot of those out there called property management uh, systems, uh, and they basically uh, act as a channel distributor, and a channel being a booking channel, a marketplace, a VRBO, HomeAway, Airbnb. Uh, so we were able to build tools with James's uh, skill set, build tools on top of that mark, uh, on top of that property management system uh, to allow us to automate a lot of the things that we do. So at the very beginning, you're marketing mostly to homeowners. Um, and then now is it becoming more consumer facing? Yeah. Yeah, and I, I can tell you how that how that evolved. Yeah, talk um, about the evolution of it. Yeah, so at the beginning of 2017, we started looking into raising 
Uh, sorry, at the beginning of 2018, got my years confused. Uh, <laughs> it is the beginning of 2019. At the beginning of 2018, we looked into raising capital to continue to build out this uh, brand within the Airbnb hotel, uh, Airbnb-like hotel brand, right? Uh, and as we started talking to investors, we got some feedback of, hey, you know, there's uh, there's a low barrier of entry to become an Airbnb host. Everybody can become an Airbnb host, uh, which they is think. true. <laughs> I mean, it's true. Technically, it's yeah. true. Uh, but to be a good Airbnb host, especially with multiple properties, yeah. takes a lot of work. It's not, uh, you know, you become it becomes a hospitality business at that point, uh, yeah. where you have to be, in a sense, reactive to activities. It's not a set it and forget it. Uh, based on the current solutions out there. We had come close to that based on what we built internally, so we felt comfortable about that, but we couldn't get uh, some of the messages we spoke with to get beyond that point. Um, so one of the next things we did is we tried to continue proving out what, what we were building. We actually went to Atlanta and looked into merging with another company based in Atlanta that was doing something similar. Okay. They had the same number of properties, uh, just in a different region. So the idea was, hey, let's go merge with these guys, double our portfolio, become some more appealing um, option for investors, right? So we, we talked to these guys, got into due diligence with them, honestly, uh, on a merger. And as we dug deeper into their systems, we realized that they were nowhere near as efficient as we were uh, because they didn't have some of the back-end operations in place that we had built through our own technology offering. Uh, for example, they would get a thousand phone calls a month from guests asking different things where we would get 30 for the same number of properties. So the, the usage uh, and interaction that they had was significantly higher because of us. And the one thing we could, we could relate it to is some of the back-end uh, implementations and op optimization that James had built. Mm -hmm. um, we did more due diligence and found other property managers who, again, were Airbnb hosts, but they struggled with some of the same volume issues and lack of uh, optimization, which is where we really started thinking about this, hey, what if we're not a property manager, per se, or a brand within Airbnb? What if we are the technology partner that allows them to scale quicker, more efficiently, and reduce their overhead and operational time significantly? through a SaaS offering based on what we had proven initially out at our own property management company. Uh, so with that model in mind and along with what we were already doing on this you know, cash flow positive property management side, we were able to go in and uh, raise our seed round, which we just closed on. Um, so um, you started in 2017, um, you got some properties on the system. At what point in time did you spin off and make Rabu its own separate entity? Well, Rabu, <coughs> excuse me, has been its own separate entity since the beginning. Is that what you rented out the first house under? Yeah, yes. well, correct. Okay. Uh, so every you had an LLC that you rented out in your back place under? Well, that one actually, no. So okay. the, the initial property, no, but once we've got our second and third properties, we created an LLC okay. to, to run it under that um, and eventually uh, got to the point where. Uh, we are now in the process of doing a rebrand of sorts. We're actually launching within a week our new new website, which is going to be more focused on our technology offering that we just launched for other Airbnb hosts and property managers and property investors that makes it easier for them to host Airbnb properties or VRBO properties, home away properties, any short-term rental property mm -hmm. at scale. And we're going to rebrand the property management side of the business to be something a little bit more property management-esque uh, with our focus mostly on growing uh, and generating uh, 
uh, growing the technology side of the operation because of the bigger opportunity that's present there. Yeah, and, uh, absolutely. So, um, I mean, you've mentioned it um, a couple times over the course of the last couple minutes. You had the benefit as you were talking to some of these other providers of having a much better technology um, underlying it. Um, what's it been like having a technical co-founder? Oh, it's been invaluable. I mean, I've you know, James started at Kick. Uh, we initially brought him on uh, as a front-end developer, uh, and he over I guess it was nine to 12 months yeah. uh, proved himself out to be more than just a front-end developer, a full-stack developer. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, he's not just a full-stack developer. He's, he's also been our designer, our marketer, our brand manager, in a sense. Uh, he's done it all, and it's unbelievably valuable. Um, it's, uh, you know, I could, we wouldn't be where we are right now without having a st strong technical co-founder like, like him on the team. Do y'all do all the programming in-house, or y'all starting to use some out-of-house stuff? Uh, yeah, so uh, to, to date, the majority of, I would say, 99% of everything has been done in-house. Um, we, we're starting to explore some, some kind of uh, offshore resources to do some of that work, but we do, you know, we like to keep things in-house because of, you know, it's, it's, sometimes it's difficult to explain, like, what your product is trying to accomplish um, unless you're really ingrained in this industry. So it's, it's really helpful for us to be... You know, we're, we're, we've built this technology that we're now offering out to other property uh, managers or individual Airbnb hosts, um, and it's been helpful this this whole time to actually, you know, be be sitting next to people operating a property management company. Um, that that's proved invaluable to you know uh, us being able to see the day to day problems and be able to solve those and see that they're working, and by putting them in place, it's helping the team operate more efficiently. So, so that's that's why we primarily have been uh, in house thus far. Yeah, yeah. You know, I called James. Go back to your question, William. I called James. Our our unfair advantage that we have. Uh, you know, unfortunately, there's not a lot of developers in the Charlotte area, and we're looking for more. Uh, and James has just been, uh, you know, somebody that has been formative to where we are today. So, uh, you know, uh, having a technical co-founder. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's it's an advantage like no other, especially here in Charlotte. You talk about um, and certainly a benefit of the company as it grew and scaled as you were designing a software for somebody like yourself that was actually mm -hmm. using it. Correct. What type of other customer feedback do y'all get right now? Or y'all is it? Are y'all actively engaged with a subset of your users, or is it primarily your own experiences, or what type of yeah. feedback do you use to improve the product? Uh, so it's. Our own experiences, for sure, because we, we were seeing new problems on an everyday basis that mm -hmm. we're solving. But we've also started uh, building good relationships with other property managers mm -hmm. uh, in locally and even you know throughout the country. We actually lead a property management, what we call an urban property management Slack channel, uh, mm -hmm. where we've invited different urban property managers. So urban property managers being more of the new day property managers. You have your old school property managers, which you'll find at the beach, you know, beach locations, which I honestly hate Airbnb and VRBO. They'd much rather get a yeah. phone call yeah. from from you if you want to stay there and you drive by their office to pick up the keys before heading to the house. Uh, we're working more with some of the new age guys. And they're honestly located more in urban areas in the Charlottes, Atlantis, Miamis, Dallas, Austin, uh, Denver, and those type of cities um, where millennials and the younger demographic is traveling to. Uh, so we've started building a relationship with a lot of those, uh, created an urban property management 
venture Slack group mm -hmm. uh, where we all talk to each other about different things that we're working on and how we can help each other out. So we have a good pulse on exactly what others are experiencing as well. We're showing them the solutions that we're building and getting feedback from them uh, on uh, how beneficial they'd find them. Obviously, the goal is to, uh, in relatively short order, turn those into users of our technology platform as well. Mm -hmm. So we're kind of double dipping there. We're using them as a research study, uh, you know, focus groups, and then customers as well. That yeah, makes total sense. Um, <clears throat> what does um, what does Airbnb think of you? Right? Do they like you? Do they hate you? Do they open up channels for you? How does that relationship work? Um, and not just Airbnb, right? I mean, VRBO, all the other ones as well. Yeah. Are y'all looking upon favorably by? 100%. So, uh, you know, we've had a good relationship directly with Airbnb for over a year and a half now. Uh, they've come to us and said, hey, we like what you're doing. We like that you're able to provide your guests with these consistent experiences. Uh, you know, across all our bookings, we have over 2,000 reviews in our properties, still average five stars across those, which is uh, I've seen very few other companies that have been able to do that at that scale. Yeah. Um, so they see the value in that. Mm -hmm. Where Airbnb struggles is that uh, you know it's still such a fragmented space, as I mentioned before. So they want to start offering a, a consistency for that traveler. So when they see a host uh, that's doing a good job in providing consistently providing their travelers, their guests with a good experience, mm -hmm. they want to amplify those. And Airbnb itself is building out some professional tools. Uh, to make it easier for property managers to, to manage their properties. Mm -hmm. uh, so we honestly see a, a, a big opportunity, you know, long-term with them uh, for even an exit, potentially. Okay. So we've, we've built a good relationship with them. We, uh, we uh, spent quite a bit of time with them at a uh, conference. Uh, so the big conference in our space is the Vacation Rental Managers Association Conference, and that's held, uh, there's an international conference that's held once a year. Um, this was, we just had it in this past November in Vegas, uh, and we were part of multiple of their focus groups. Uh, a lot of their events were around. At one point, it became a joke that anytime we looked around, there's an Airbnb representative talking to one of us yeah. about what we're doing. So um, they're fans. So Is there fear? I mean, there's, al there's always a fear, right? Is there fear that they push you out of the way or no? I don't, I don't think from, from an Airbnb standpoint, um, again, them being kind of more, more of a, a marketing and, and booking channel to find this, this, this property inventory, um, we, we don't really look at them as, as much of a competitor, but, but more as a partner, really. And uh, Amir mentioned uh, they were working on you know, tools to help property managers manage their properties. Really, what, what, what they've exposed so far that they're building and what they're working on is when Amir speaks about managing their properties, it's, it's more around the virtual representation of those properties and, and being able to you know, take in bookings and those sorts of things. Our software is really focused, and what we're building is focused around the actual home and guest experience within the home. So you can think of like uh, network, climate, energy, and, and noise levels, and being able access to being access to as well. Um, and, and you know, securing down the actual home through smart home devices and, and the use of some of this new IoT technology that's out there. Um, and, and so we, we really think that 
uh, they're they're really more of a partnership opportunity than anything. And, and even even the, the the property management systems Amir was mentioning earlier that kind of sit a layer above um, kind of Airbnb or VRBO or HomeAway. Um, them too, we have we have no intent to compete with them or become um, you know their software or solve the solutions they've solved there. We we see ourselves as a a step above that that can integrate with all of those people and help all of them provide a better experience across the board. What's the ch- um, so you've had several probably several years of experience at Kick. Mm-hmm. Um, let's just go back to that for a second. How much has had having experience at another software kind of startup company helped y'all over the course of the last two years? Uh, incredibly, it's invaluable. Yeah. You know, my background was. Uh, you know, I went to school here at UNCC, got a civil engineering degree, graduated in 08, the worst time to graduate in the construction industry. What happened there? What happened yeah, there? I, I don't know. Just, yeah. you know, maybe a recession or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, regardless, I, ha- I had four or five engineering jobs and really could honestly got, got depressed from doing engineering work. It was a lot of paper pushing. I saw a career path that where I was going to be, you know, 60 years old, you know, 200 pounds heavier, bald, and just pushing paperwork. And you it was just, hey, 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 I mean, you're, <laughs> yeah. I'm still, I'm still heading towards the baldness, so, but at least I'm enjoying what I'm doing. You're getting there. Yeah, I know, right? This is a different story. <laughs> uh, so I actually joined Kick uh, initially for, for free. So I reached out to Mac uh, and said, hey, Mac, like, you know, I'm not happy what I'm doing. I would love to be, you know, an entrepreneur, get into the startup world. Can I start working for Kick for free just to prove myself out? For free. For free, yeah. That's that's what I had to do. I mean, you know, there would be limited incentive otherwise for him to hire me. I'm a civil engineer. Yeah. What's he gonna do with a, with a civil engineer at a soccer technology company, right? Yeah. Uh, so. So were you moonlighting, or were you, was that you put your day kind of out? Moonlighting mostly. Okay. Um, you know, a lot of weekends. You know, took time off from uh, from work to go do some things for Kick. Um, did enough to prove myself out where I was brought on full time, um, and that experience has been invaluable. And what I did, honestly, and you know, like I'm sure Mac can speak to this as well, is, uh, you know, I was initially brought on as just an associate, a business associate, to help build out things, and I kept asking for more, uh, and that's because I wanted to grow and learn more. So, you know, I've, I've basically done it all. I started off in client relations, then ended up leading the uh, the product team. Was when I hired James on, then turned into the VP of operations and. Having seen everything from what it takes to, to start a startup to get to an exit, um, incredibly valuable. Uh, we wouldn't be here without that either. Uh, you know, you can a lot of it can be you can teach yourself, but having that experience and you know working with Mac and some of the other guys at Kick, being exposed to the network as well, uh, has been has been a tremendous help in, in getting us to this point. I mean, wouldn't you agree, James? Uh, yeah, would would definitely one hundred percent agree with with that point. I, I think too a, a really valuable piece of being involved in a smaller company like 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 Kick was. Um, it's just. You know, again, getting to wear all the different hats and and having to put those processes into place yourself, and not really, you know, it's not some giant corporate company that already has all these things in place. You got to learn and grow, and that's helped us launch this company tremendously. Um, and and you know, learning from the mistakes that we made even um, at Kick has helped help improve what we're doing today. Um, yeah, it's also helped us. You know, first of all. You know, helped James and I create this relationship where we know we work together. Uh, you know, uh, 
we've brought on another gentleman that used to work with us at Kick, Miller I mentioned him earlier. Uh, you know, based on our experience with him at Kick, we knew we wanted him part of our team. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, another gentleman we had with us at Kick, Trent, he's now on our board. Uh, so uh, it's it's been unbelievably helpful to go, have gone through that. You know, my mission when I joined Kick wasn't necessarily to be part, to have a big exit, and you know, have you know make a lot of money at the end of the the road there it was to to gain the experience uh to start my own thing uh and i feel like that was uh mission accomplished james what's your background so you spent a couple years at kick what else yeah so i have uh, definitely an interesting story a little bit quite an informal background to be honest with you um and so so i was born here in charlotte um not not extremely common right uh and (laughs) I actually moved to Southern Alabama when I was three years old. We ended up moving. So I grew up in, in Southern Alabama, Mobile specifically. Um, and then we, we actually ended up moving back to uh, Denver, North Carolina uh, when I was 13 years old. Um, and it was over a summer. Um, I didn't know anybody around in the area. So I didn't really have anything else to do but get on my computer, of course, and, and get on the Internet and mess around with stuff. So um, I ended up get, getting involved in a website uh, called Newgrounds.com. It's a community for creators of uh, Flash games and animations and, and kind of that whole online boom that was going on back in, I guess it was 2007, um, of you know Internet videos and things like that. This was before Facebook was extremely popular. Um, Anyways, I got so I got involved in that website. I got in the forums, um, started talking with the community, um, and, and three months into that, I ended up uh, designing, developing, and selling my first video game at the age of thirteen for five hundred dollars. And I was like, "Holy crap! If I can make five hundred dollars in like three days of work, having fun and, and doing something uh, that I like to do, um, I definitely should continue doing this." So over the next four years, I ended up designing, developing, and, and selling over sixty flash games um, to various internet sites. Got to work with Cartoon Network, EA, Pogo, and it just taught me. I, I basically, I was teaching myself how to program through that whole time, how to how to do graphics, how to do branding, how to improve UI UX, and, and just really push myself to get better and better for every project that I would do throughout that whole time. Um, and, and then uh, kind of after those, those four years, um, the iPhone, it was like kind of around the time the iPhone came out. Um, mobile apps started getting really popular. Flash was no longer being supported. And so I realized I needed to shift kind of what I was doing and what I was working on. Um, and, and I, I kind of just fell into, uh, you know, web made sense for me. So, so doing uh, website design, development, branding, social media marketing for, for companies. And so I did that. Um, I did freelance work for really everything in the you know web creative space that you can do, um, similar to like what a digital agency would do. So did that for another four years, um, and and then I, I really realized that uh, there was kind of a limit to what I would be able to accomplish and what I really wanted to be able to accomplish. Um, I wasn't going to be able to do by myself. Um, I needed a team of people to do that with, and that's kind of the time. Um, when I started exploring startups in Charlotte uh, to see what what kind of opportunities were out there, if I could get a team of you know, I was the creative technical side, but you know m- maybe not on the bi- best on the business side or operations side, and so I ended up um, meeting Amir over coffee. Um, for one reason or another, he, he ended up hiring me and bringing me on to Kick as a front end engineer. Um, it was it was really you know kind of a because I have no formal background, it was it was really a James. You're going to have to prove yourself to to really um, you know move forward with this company. 
Um, and, you know, having done freelance work for eight years, I was not afraid of the challenge at all. And so, um, you, you know, came, came on as a front engineer, worked my ass off, to be honest, um, and, and took over as head of development. And me and Amir have been working together ever since then. Yeah, one thing to quickly point out there, you, didn't, you never heard him talk about any kind of formal education. Everything is self-taught. So everything he does is self-taught and spending hours and hours and hours reading Stack Overflow and watching YouTube yeah, videos. Yeah, Google, YouTube, Google. Stack Overflow, all those resources. It really is, I mean, this is something I, 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 I don't do for work, and I believe that people who do, there's, there's just so, there's, you really have to want to do this stuff to execute on new ideas and innovations. And, you know, you could go to a, a bank and, and make a ton of money, or you can, you know, struggle and build what you want to build and be able to do really cool stuff. And that's what I feel like we're doing here. So, um, so James, you didn't go to MIT to get a, um, a computer science degree. Um, so a mere four years ago, three years ago, whatever it was, you, you meet with James over coffee and you decide to bring along both mm -hmm. um, right? And you sit it earlier, there's not a lot of full stack type developers here in Charlotte. Um, I mean, what process did you use to find what eventually ended up being a fantastic hire and an excellent co-founder, right? Did you, um, did you use, um, Oh God! What is one of the popular profiles? I'm just kidding. Yeah, like, uh, yeah. I mean, we've tried. I can't tell you how many different approaches we've taken. Even right now, we're actively looking for developers. Um, with James, he was actually connected to us uh, to Kick through uh, our, our previous the the COO of Kick, COO of Kicks brother-in-law uh, who ran a recruiting firm. He's like, oh, here's a favor. Talk to James. And James, honestly, his resume didn't look good. Yeah. No, mean, it was horrible. He it was, was horrible. <laughs> he was, what, 21, 22 yeah, years old yeah. uh, with barely any real development experience. He could yeah. build websites. Uh, and the websites that he was building, it was an interesting industry that he was in. Let's just keep it at yeah, that. Yeah, let's leave it at that. Uh, regardless, um, we wanted to give him a shot. He, he uh, you know, I, I took the coffee meeting based on a recommendation and based on our CEO telling me I should, so, you know, I did. Yeah. Uh, but uh, we asked him to come in uh, to give us kind of a, a, a presentation of the work he had done. It was good enough to get us intrigued. Uh, at, at that point, we decided to have him come in and challenge him with, with various things we wanted him to figure out. We kept pushing him and asking him, okay, you've done that, now do, the, do this. And he kept delivering, and he kept delivering, and, you know, he delivered, which is hard to find. So he executed, and we, we then decided to bring him on full time. And you know, he replaced people that were 20 years his senior uh, at Kick, more, and he was more successful at it, uh, which is great. So then, how do you replicate that for other startups, and then for yourselves, right? I mean, obviously, um, obviously, in some subsets you can, right? Right. Um, you just find the needle in the haystack, whatever you want to call it, from time to time, and you just get damn lucky. Um, but at the same time, when you get damn lucky out of that, you're like, can I get damn lucky again? Right. What's the process to do it? Can you? We're trying. Uh, honestly, one of the reasons we're on this podcast, one of the reasons I asked James to be on this podcast is to potentially attract some other developers who, you know, might uh, might kind of connect to James and his story and say, hey, I want to be like James. Let me go reach out to Rabu. Um, we're honestly still trying to figure it out. Uh, I wish there was a, you know, silver bullet, but... Uh, 
we're uh, at this point we're trying to get out and make ourselves be known a little bit more and hopefully because we're working on such a cool problem uh, people will be interested in helping us come up with the solution uh, uh, but we've tried all kinds of things we have some uh, strong board members which are you know which includes CTOs at some of the biggest startups in town mm -hmm. and they're actively looking for us um, yeah, unfortunately, we don't have that answer yet, so we're trying out different things. James, do they sit at the banks? They, I, I think that they sit at the banks. Um, it's it's difficult as a startup sometimes with you know the capital that we have raised to to you know talk with some other engineers who are, who are more more skilled. Um, or have been, been I, I wouldn't even necessarily say more skilled, but have been, are more experienced, right? Have more real world experience and, and they just pay so well and it's hard to. Yeah. But then they sit inside that box, right? And they, they rarely get outside of that box that's kind of where you need to be from a startup CTO person, right? They, they get, in my opinion, from what I've seen at the bank jobs, they can get very comfortable. Yeah. Um, you know, you know not, not, not a ton is expected of them um, on a day-to-day -day basis, and I, you know I don't know that for a fact, but but it's kind of what I've observed. Um, you, you know, they're they're okay with you know get one or two things done, um, but but when you're at a startup like this, I mean, me in particular, I mean, I'm up until 11 o'clock at night every night, still still programming, um, and you know I get up at seven in the morning and come back and do the same thing over and over again. <laughs> but but that's just. Not because we ask you to do it, because no. you enjoy doing it, and that you're you're working on your passion. Right? And it's, yeah, it's fun. I mean, I mean, my one of my I I want to build something that changes the way an industry works, and I'm passionate about that. And that's that's what I want to make happen. It's not because I'm forced to work those hours. It's because I want to. Because the problems that we're working on and what we're solving is fun. And you yeah. need to find someone else. You need to find other engineers who have that same mindset, and they're not doing this stuff for a paycheck or a job. Or just a job. This this stuff is not a job. Yeah. It's it's a it's a lifestyle in it, a way. It is, and you know I think there's uh, and a lot of that is changing. For example, Betsy is doing a great job of Tech Town South yeah. of yeah. what she's putting together. Yeah. Um, for us, some of the most recent graduates out of Tech Town South are probably still a little bit too green, because. James, you know, uh, we need James right now based on our current developer's situation. We need him to focus on building, not mentoring. But, you know, after we get another full stack developer on here as more senior, we're definitely looking into getting some of the more junior level development talent involved. And, you know, I'm working directly with, with tech talent soft and finding those those developers will be key. But for right now, we just need somebody that's a little bit more senior, which are the ones that are harder to find. Yeah, uh, and I think from, from talking with a lot of the the, the new uh, more more green ish engineers um, it's just it, it may be the way that they're coming across in interviews and, and that that stuff but but it's just they, they seem to lack confidence in their ability to execute on projects and, and that's a huge thing with development I mean again me coming from a totally informal background I think that's played to my strengths very well because you know again you talked about when you guys threw me into kick into systems and things I wasn't familiar with, though I always had confidence that I could make it happen. And and you know, Google is one click away to look up issues and problems, and it's just continuing to problem solve, really. Yeah. So what, I guess what you're saying is, you know, developers should not should should know that the tools are at their disposal to solve most any problem that they would be asked to do. A absolutely. And and yeah, as an engineer or even a you know newer engineer. You, you don't have to know everything, and you never will know everything. I mean, this this whole 
it, it change, you know, everything with development changes on a day-to-day basis. There's always new stuff that you have to learn to keep up with or teach yourself. It's, it's you know, it's nonstop learning. Um, and if you have the passion and drive to want to do that, I mean, that's that's what really makes you stand out. Yeah, for sure. And just to go back to your quick mentioning earlier about, you know, are these guys at banks? Honestly, uh, you know, banks use languages that we don't use that are outdated. Old, right? old frameworks, yeah. Old frameworks yeah. Um, that, you know, again, you get comfortable as a developer in a bank you probably don't know about you know don't know what we're working on what we're doing with ruby with node with react um you know we need people that are kind of more on the on the cutting edge yeah on the cutting edge what's the new technologies that are out there iot smart home devices i mean i don't know how much you know smart home work the the you know wells fargo is doing for Or, or usage of IoT devices, et cetera. Um, They've got to plug in Alexa, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, <Okay>. probably that. <laughs> so that's funny. So, um, so y'all, um, you know, growing company, you rate, and you mentioned it earlier, you raised yep. money. When did you raise money? Uh, so we started uh, to, well, you know, it always takes longer than you anticipate. We signed our, our term sheet in uh, July, uh, and we just completed the round a few days ago. Okay. Uh, so, yeah. Um, Yeah, I mean, it takes longer. Thank you, thank you. We, we did it uh, through multiple closings, so we've been funded. Uh, we had our first closing in uh, September, okay. um, but we, and we just closed the round. So, yeah, it's been it's been a challenge. It's been a great learning experience. Uh, yeah. You know, we've had our first few board meetings, too, which has been great, honestly. Very happy with our board who we put together. Uh, we see them as an asset for sure, not necessarily, you know, a lot of people look at them as a necessary evil. We've been strategic in the way we've constructed our board, uh, where we think, think they can help uh, short-term and long-term. So, yeah, uh, you know, we're at a good spot right now. So now it's all about continuing to prove out the technology offering that we're building and just growing the team as well with the right team members. Mm-hmm. What um, the fundraising process in Charlotte, um, everybody always complains about you've got, um, but you closed it fairly quick. quickly. <laughs> quickly, quote unquote, uh, right? right? You go to a coffee shop, like you would in San Francisco, and close on the same day. Um, but advice for, for founders here in Charlotte for raising money, right? Yeah. Uh, network, 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 network. Uh, you know, I've mentioned previously. Uh, you know, and we, we have a good relationship with Mac, Mac Lackey. Yep. You know, the way we got to our term sheet was Mac introduced us to a, a CFO at a storage company, who then introduced us to another gentleman, who then introduced us to the MD of this firm. Okay. Uh, that we uh, that we closed with. So it's all about networking. Uh, And um, don't take no as well yeah, as, don't take as no. a bad thing. You're going to keep getting told no. And I, I mean, plenty of books out there that say that, but it, but it honestly is, is completely true. Yeah. I mean, we got told no probably a hundred times, right? Yeah. I, I mean, before we even got a yes. And even when we got a potential yes, we kept pursuing other opportunities. We didn't let that yes sit and wait to see what would happen there. We kept pushing and trying to find other ways to. How many times did you get the typical Charlotte polite yes? Yes, and then they never answer the email again. Uh, countless times, but you know that—that's what it is. It's yeah. not to be surprised, you know. But you—but you have to stay persistent too. You know, I've talked to this with some other founders. Keep honestly, keep bugging them until they say no. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, one of our board members, you know, took a meeting and then didn't say anything for months, and I kept pestering him got nothing from him. Then I sent him an email at 10.30 one night and he replied within two minutes, which I realized, okay, this guy, um, 
you know, I asked him this later. Basically, you know, he's got his nine to five where he's very regimented, head down, comes home, um, you know, spends time with family, eat dinner, and then gets back online around 9 p.m., right? And I just happen to have, and when he gets back online at 9 p.m., he's less in a work environment, he's more open to ideas. Yeah. So I got him right at the right time because he was more relaxed, less, you know, in his day-to-day, with his day-to-day blinders on, got him engaged and closes. So what you're saying is send 24 emails one during each hour of the day and see if one of them will work. No, I mean, certainly, like, there's there's scheduling tools out there. You know, we have an integration with with, uh, Gmail called Streak that Mm -hmm. I can schedule emails to be sent out at a certain time, right? And that's honestly, that's what I did with this gentleman. You know, I scheduled it to be sent out, I forget what time it was, like 9.30 or something like that. But then I was also on and checking my email and that's you know and once he engaged with me i replied back to him had another meeting set up you know and then he was basically the first money in so you raised you raised 750 uh one and a half one and a half yeah. okay so um how um how'd you come up with you know the the number uh the one and a half I just, you know, a lot of it was uh, building out financial models and realizing how we wanted to invest our money. You know, we had a, a side of the business that was profitable and growing, you know, the property management side. While we were still running it lean, it was profitable and we saw an opportunity there. Uh, but then the other one is really we knew we needed to have a budget in place to build out our tech- technology platform and we mm-hmm. understood we had an estimate of how many developers we would need we would need to be able to do that and some of the marketing efforts we needed to do that so based on some research uh and you know a model that we put together um we, that's how we got to the one and a half basically giving us 18 months of runway to build out so 18 months right um exactly you know i mean i'll, I'll add on to this james didn't join Rabu full-time uh, until September, until we had our initial closing. Okay. He was working for us full-time, but he was still moonli- moonlighting in yeah. his day job. Yeah. Uh, so he was putting in over 40 hours a week um, for free. Technically, I mean, he has equity in the company, but yeah. he wasn't he wasn't full-time until a few months ago. Okay. Uh, but, you know. Where were you in on that in-between stage between kick and here, James? Uh, at, at NBC. Oh, so you were still at NBC. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we, the, we, as Amir mentioned earlier, uh, a few of us carried over there yeah. for for a certain period of time, um, and yeah, I was working remotely for them, putting in forty hours of hard work there, yeah. maintaining, um, continuing to maintain the the kick platform, um, and, and then and then you know immediately after work it was flip the switch and and work again until midnight to build what we've you know are building now. Um. Where um, are you already starting to think about the next strategic about the next race, or no? You you've got enough kind of push behind you. That one I mean, we're, we're always thinking about the yeah. next next steps, uh, and we have we have a couple opportunities with what we're doing. You know, we have we're basically which is both good and bad, we're running two businesses right now. We have this profitable property management business that we're now also pushing for growth and now building on this technology platform. So right now, we've kind of. Uh, mitigated our risks where we have you know something that we know works and something that has more potential yeah. uh, and depending on how we execute on the technology side that will help us make a lot of decisions on what we want to do next you know there's an opportunity to do something with the property management side to limit the need for additional funding um, 
or we might have to do funding. We're, we're, we're exploring options. We're, okay. we're kind of keeping uh, keeping tabs on what makes sense uh, okay. to do. Um, you mentioned potential acquirer. I mean, Airbnb um, would be a natural potential acquirer. Are there others in the marketplace that you kind of think in the back of your mind that, or um, is there potential for you to to take this to full-size company where you've got sales team and everything else, or is this kind of an exit strategy? So right now, uh, you know, we, we had that discussion, James and I did, uh, and just based on the opportunity that we saw, we're looking more towards, you know, what everyone says, a three to five-year exit. Okay. Uh, so mm -hmm. we see Airbnb uh, as definitely a potential acquirer, but there's so many opportunities out there. You know, there is traditional property managers that have thousands of units that realize that long-term rental is not the best way for them to generate returns on those properties. They could go short-term and they'll need management solutions for that. That's where our technology solution could come into place. Mm -hmm. Property developers, uh, you know, we've seen, we've been contacted by developers who previously would take their multifamily building and turn it into hotels. We're now no longer willing to sign a 30-year lease with a hotel. Uh, because they don't know how popular hotels will be in 30 years. So they're exploring turning their whole buildings into short-term rentals or Airbnbs. Uh, so they're, they're another potential acquisition opportunity. And then, of course, Airbnb is one of them or any of the other distribution channels. Um, so there's quite a few options where we could go here uh, with, with, with the technology and the property management side. So um, what's... So you, um, Fundraising is always the biggest challenge, right? Mm -hmm. Anytime you tell somebody, what's the biggest challenge? Fundraising. Um, well, you just closed, so you're the biggest challenge right now is it fundraising. Um, what's the biggest thing that's ahead of you from a roadblock challenge perspective over the course of the next three, six, twelve months? Yeah, I mean, short term, most immediate short term is. Uh, finding more development talent. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, development talent, we're actively looking for marketing talent as well. Um, you know, there's, we need somebody who's both uh, strategic and tactical. Uh, we just brought on a, uh, our chief revenue officer, which we're excited about. He was one of the first employees at DealCloud. He joined at the beginning of this year uh, looking for a new challenge. He's already been a great addition to the team, uh, but we, we're continuing to look for more development talent and marketing sales talent to prove out the technology platform. So now it's all about sales and getting the data behind um, what our next step needs to be. So you mentioned it there, um, Evan from DealCloud is now on board as, uh, as an employee, uh, which, um, you know, DealCloud sold last year, um, and a couple people have since left DealCloud. Um, it's got to be helpful to have somebody like Evan, essentially the ecosystem starting to evolve, right? Correct. Mm -hmm. Which is a company sells and then their employees go out there into the ecosystem and they flourish so they help make others stronger. Um, he's only been here for a short while, but you know, and you've already said it, he's making a big impact. I mean, from an ecosystem perspective, how are things building up right now? I mean, they're, they're, it's really trending positive. You know, yesterday I had lunch with I think 10 other founders that was sponsored mm -hmm. by Huga, where yeah. we talked about some of the face, uh, some of the problems we're facing. It's just a great time for us to get together and help each other out. Um, you know, one of our board members is actually uh, the CTO of one of the biggest startups in town. He's reinvested back into the ecosystem, has been a huge help. Uh, for us on many levels, including, you know, he's he's helping James, uh, proving James's technology out, uh, mm -hmm. giving us proper feedback. So, you know, Max involved. Uh, there's uh, um, 
the, there's quite a bit of activity trending positive on the ecosystem. The Seed the South event uh, a few weeks back that Sam Smith put together was amazing. I thought that was great for great for the for the you know for the ecosystem. Yeah, more 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 startups there. I've, I've, I've had, honestly haven't heard of yet. Yeah. I mean, it's great. It's great. I think we're starting to see things grow. It's not this. It's not. It's still small, but it's not the same four companies that you know were the only companies around a few just a few years ago yeah i mean we spend a lot of time with you know we just we used to share an office with two laundry they just moved out but we have a great relationship with them uh they asked us questions we asked them questions we started using this stand-up framework um that one of our board members put together um and They've now started utilizing that same framework where we meet every morning at a certain time, each go over what our daily goals are, what our roadblocks are, and how we did with the previous day's goals. Those guys just started utilizing and absolutely love it. They say it's been transformative to the way they do things. So um, I think there's a good community of, first of all, the startups helping each other, and now yeah. where we've seen some of the more mature startups getting involved uh, and helping the smaller guys out in a sense, yeah. uh, it's definitely trending in the right way. So the big guys aren't necessarily sucking the oxygen out of the room by absorbing all the talent and not being sharing and, and everything else. They're actually feeding oxygen into the system. They have. I mean, you know, somebody who much, somebody who prefer to work at a, you know, at a Stratified or a Red Ventures or a Passport or you know, Abbott Exchange over Rabu still, but we're hoping yeah. to change that. <laughs> so you know, that's they're still hogging the talent a little bit they to are. some extent. <laughs> they are, but you know, you know, our, our our selling point to them is, hey, like those guys are great. You know, we're nothing but supportive of them. But yeah, come here and you can make a little bit more of an impact. Yeah, uh, get in a little bit earlier. Yeah, I think that's where they end up. You know, looking looking for different opportunities is they feel like they're not able at, at a larger company. Yeah. You know, they're not able to make as large of an impact as a you know as they can at a startup where you're really the guy that has to go put the stuff in place. How do you set that right? I mean, so how many folks are here now? Uh, there's I think eleven of us. Honestly, it's, we're growing very quickly. But yeah, I think we're eleven right now. How do you handle that growth, right? I mean, you did it to a certain extent at Keg, but how do you start to just let these people take the reins and go? We're honestly still learning. Uh, yeah, uh, we're still <laughs> learning and. and kind of adjusting the way we do things. Um, just recently, based on the recommendation of one of our other board members, uh, he suggested that we uh, start u- utilizing OKRs. Uh, so it's objectives and key results in the way that we s- set our team up for the objectives that we're trying to hit, so they're aware of them, but give them the ability to identify the key results that will that they will try to hit so that we can hit that objective. So we just implemented that framework uh, at the beginning of this year with the hope that our team will feel empowered to make some of the tough decisions without having to rest on James or myself mm-hmm. or Evan or somebody else uh, to make the final decision there. So we want to hire people that challenge us um, that honestly sometimes tell us what we should do yeah. uh, because if the ceiling of this company is my ability or James's ability, I still think that ceiling is low and limited. Yep. Uh, we want other people to push us beyond that. Uh, so that, that's that's what we're looking for in team members. You mentioned it um, probably four dozen times over the course of this interview, um, your board members. Mm-hmm. Um, 
was that a requirement of this fundraise, or did you do it on your own, and how did you find them, and um, how do you end up with good ones versus crappy ones? Because um, some startups fear that whole board structure, right? right? So how do you embrace it and kind of talk about that for a few Yeah, for, for sure. So uh, we were definitely required to have a board as part of the, the fundraising. You know, we had the choice of going three to five, three or five. Yeah. Um, again, James and I believe in being challenged and putting smart people around us. So we, we went with five. Um, just because we wanted to have more people with accountability, more people that were incentivized to help us uh, build what we saw as the opportunity. Uh, so, you know, as, as we went through the fundraising process, uh, and anytime we spoke with somebody that we thought could not just help on the investment side, potentially as a board member, we honestly would breach the subject with them and ask them if that's something they would be interested in. Uh, because. It was our job to recruit those team members as well. Um, mm -hmm. It was our job to make sure that we sold our vision to them uh, and that they could contribute to what we were doing. And we were being very selective about, you know, the expertise of those board members. So we have, you know, a gentleman that's a CTO of a, of a, of a startup in town. We have a gentleman that's been a COO uh, of uh, multiple startups. Uh, another team member that's in M&A, uh, which is always good to have. Yeah. Uh, and, and another team member that's that has a CFO financial background. So we've kind of tried to cover all our bases and what's necessary to have a successful operation um, we were. We feel lucky with, with the board. We don't yeah. see them as a necessary evil. We see them as a, as in a competitive advantage. Yeah. Uh, and you know, I've made a direct. Uh, one of the things that I set as a goal for myself this quarter is to further engage the board and have direct asks of them where I think they can be helpful, both short term and long term, uh, to really utilize those those team members appropriately. So quarterly meetings, or do you all see it more frequently? Yeah, so we, we do quarterly board meetings, uh, but I, I try to reach out to them a couple times a month and give them an update on where things stand and ask them for favors. You know, James meets mm -hmm. with them. I meet with one of them uh, every two weeks at 6.30 a.m. for coffee. Uh, another one's here every other week. So we're, we're really trying to keep them engaged and utilize them as resources. I mean, they really are, in a, in a way, like, uh, I mean, they're a part of our team. They're not just some, you know, thing that exists that, that they're just you know s sitting in their high chairs just being a part of the board they're they're really helping us um, make sure that we're we're staying on the right path um, and, and you know we're, we're we're able to leverage their experience in the industries that, that they're in um, to help us grow and make sure that we're you know making as smart of decisions as we can that makes sense um, I'm gonna forget if I don't ask you right now um, who's the better soccer player Oh, oh, yeah, he doesn't Definitely. play soccer. Well, yeah. I did when I was younger, yeah. but it's been a long time. Yeah, but uh, I used to play soccer growing up, uh, but then I got to be 6'5", and then got pulled into basketball, so I ended up being more of a basketball player than, than a soccer player. But I play with the kids in the backyard. Now, uh, Rocket League, though, I mean, I'm pretty <laughs> good at that, which is kind of like rocket car soccer, but yeah. you know, it is on PS4. So. Yeah, he beats me at that. It's <laughs> funny. Um, so you're entrepreneurs, so let's assume we sell, right? We're back to the model that you sell the business in five years. Mm -hmm. um, in five years and six months, do you start a new business? I think so. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, my wife and I want to go take a trip around the world with our kids, kind of follow what AJ Ratani did. Yeah. <laughs> uh, love that just because it's so good for you. And, it's, you know, we love to travel, stay in multiple Airbnbs. But uh, besides that, yeah, you know, him, I, I'm sure we'll, we'll work together in some capacity as well, but we're both driven and like challenges. Uh, so I don't see it. We're not looking for a 
a retirement fund <laughs> right now. No. It wouldn't be bad, but we're going to continue pushing uh, to something. I mean, I think I'd just get bored if I wasn't working I on agree. some some f- fun new creative project or idea or concept or whatever it is. There's just it's just kind of for for me personally, it's what I do. It's just it's my lifestyle is, is yeah. building companies, building ideas, turning concepts and th- into you know actual execution and products or what, whatever they are. There's I, re- I really I, I don't look at. Uh, what I do is as work ever. I, I feel like I've never had a job and I just come in every day and, and do what I'm good at doing. Yeah, I have to force this guy to go take vacations. <laughs> and it's miserable. And I get he sick does. every time. Every time he goes on vacation, he gets sick because his body <laughs> just doesn't like it. So. <laughs> um, is this kind of what you thought, um, James, when you sold your first software or your first game for Pop on a Bug? Did you kind of think that... Did I knew I would be here? I mean, here is a loose term, right? Did, um, but, I mean, clearly that was your first kind of taste of entrepreneurship. Yeah, yeah. I had no clue, honestly, because, I, I, you know, I had always been a computer nerd and, and um, you know, been interested in that stuff. But, you know, when, when that first happened, uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't know where it was going to go because it, it all kind of happened as an accident, honestly, um, at, at first. Uh, uh, as far as stumbling into this, I went from a website forum to then creating a game, and I was like, you know, had a lot of fun doing it. Let me keep doing this, and it just just led to this point. Um, yeah, didn't 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 know it was ever going to get to this point. It, it was at that point I knew it was what I wanted to do moving forward, and yeah. and you know, um, as I as I got a little bit older, you know, fifteen, sixteen, my 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 uh, my, my father was. You know, bugging me to go get a real job, quote unquote. I was like, Dad, like, I'm doing something here with this. You just don't understand yet. Yeah. It's, you know, he's he's always been super supportive of me. But it, you know, and then I got to the point where I'm at now, and it's just crazy to see where it, where it, it ended up. Oh, he gets it now. Yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> he understands it. It took some convincing though. It's funny. Um, so, um, kind of last questions because we're we're rounding up on our hour here. Um, did you celebrate on the first close, or did you wait to celebrate on the last close, or are you not celebrate because your head's down in the dirt and you're continuing to just grind it out? Yeah, we, we had a small get-together after the first close, uh, but honestly, it, it's it, it's felt more like pressure. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yes, I mean, honestly, it felt like, okay, like, checkbox like yeah. th- that's yeah. this was a necessary step for what the bigger vision is yeah you know, when the team members came in that morning that we were having our first closing and you know she said i thought you guys would be more excited than you are yeah. right <laughs> but you know it, it's a big deal but uh there's just so much work to be done it's just something that we in our minds knew was a necessary step yeah. to get to where we want to get to so it's not worth celebrating too much because yeah. that just means there's a lot more work ahead of us and there's also a lot more eyes on us and a lot more pressure on our backs mm-hmm. which we're fine with we signed up for that um, but yeah when um, interesting statement so we'll stay we'll stay for a few minutes over um, when did the sense of pressure slash expectation kind of hit you right you come up with the idea we need to raise money right we yep. think we need to raise 1.5 million dollars and then you go out and you start raising it was it then that it hit you? Like, oh shit, we've got um, we got that much money behind us, kind of expecting us to do something. Was it before then that you knew it was going to be the case? Was it not until when? When did you kind of realize that? I mean, for me, it's been since the beginning. Uh, and the reason I say that, since we started pursuing this, I have a wife and three kids now. Yeah. So you know, I could have stayed at NBC Sports yeah. and made 
two to three times what I'm paying myself now, yeah. right? Um, so I, I knew I was taking a risk for my family, which is most important. Uh, so I felt the pressure uh, since the beginning. And th then the pressure has just, I guess, added on and changed. You know, now we have team members, 11 team members that who were responsible for the day-to-day, -day, mm -hmm. you know, pay uh, the board, the investors that we're working with. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's constant. Okay. But it's exciting. Oh, for sure. For sure, it's what we signed up for. Yep. So by any means, don't you know, we're not trying to anybody feel sorry for us. But yeah, I mean, it's yeah. what we've asked for. I like pressure. Cool. Yeah. Well, you've operated good under pressure to this point. Yes. So uh, keep the pressure up, and you know, obviously, good luck as y'all continue to build out over the course of the next couple of years. Uh, would love to see another exit in three to five years, and more people in the ecosystem continuing to contribute yeah. to it. Yeah, we'll, we'll do our best, and you know, I will add this just real quick. If anybody in the ecosystem needs any kind of support, please get involved. Uh, reach out to James and myself, to any other of the startups. Um, I think the yep. community is very accepting, um, and we just need you to tell us you need help. Your morning yeah. routine, you should teach that in like a, at, um, right? The one that you just described, the two you laundry right. right. over. Mm -hmm. You should teach that at like Huga. Huga. I know. At Gary's place. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, anyways, you, you know, um, God knows you should probably teach it at Bank of America, right? So, anyways. Yeah, that, there's a big opportunity there. We're actually helping, supporting uh, one of the board members with that. So, yeah. So, well, thanks for carving out some time with me this morning. I know y'all just closed and you've got a whole bunch of other reasons to be super busy. So, sitting down with us for an hour is. Uh, we're extremely appreciative and wish you nothing but uh, huge success going forward. No, thank you for having us and thank you for doing this, not just for us, but for everyone else in the ecosystem as well. Yep. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, thanks, guys. William Bissett is an investment advisor representative with Seacrest Blakey & Associates, a registered investment advisor. Opinions expressed on this program do not necessarily reflect those of Seacrest Blakey & Associates. The topics discussed and opinions given are not intended to address the specific needs of any listener. Seacrest Blakey & Associates does not offer legal or tax advice. Listeners are encouraged to discuss their financial needs with the appropriate professional regarding your individual circumstance. Investments described herein may be speculative and may involve a substantial risk of loss. Interests may be offered only to persons who qualify as accredited investors under the Securities Act and a qualified purchaser as defined in Section 2A, Paragraph 51, line A under the Company Act or an eligible employee of the management company. There generally is no public market for the interests. Prospective investors should particularly note that many factors affect performance, including changes in market conditions and interest rates, and other economic, political, or financial developments. Past performance is not and should not be construed as indicative of future results.